With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. Uh, we've got Russ outnumbered. We've got two Buffalonians to one New Jerseyan, uh, which means Joe and I can talk about uh, the the snowpocalypse that we got uh, last week. Do you see the thing is Joe lives downtown, downtown Buffalo on a street that I, that I've driven down many a time and the plow service servicing in the city has been so hideous that, you know, and, and people parking wise aren't moving their cars. And then mm-hmm. you've got these cars that are buried with three feet of snow around them and they'll never move them. So right. it's just so wonderful. Isn't it Joe? Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing to see a uh, uh, city be completely inept at the thing that the one thing that they're known for uh, worldwide, aside from chicken wings, of course. You know, you ask people whether they know about buffalo, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah chicken wings, I love them, or yeah, it snows a lot, right? And the ankle bar, yeah. Well, well I, you yeah. shut up. Yeah, but uh, but I yeah, it's um... get murdered. <laughs> Mike can't let it go even once. That's why no! I keep saying. Well, no, listen, no, no, it, negatory. It's always it's always the favorite choice of of Canadian uh, media when they come in from out of town. They have to go to Anchor Bar, and I'm like, guys, there's a hundred other places I could take you that yes. are right. way better. Yes, but they want to go to Anchor Bar. I, I, yeah, listen, I you know it's it's the place where it started. I get it. They've been making the wings the same way since you know the place opened up, and that's probably the problem. <laughs> <laughs> probably is the problem. All right, Every, so everybody else has done it better, and they perfected it. But the Anchor Bar is like, no, we're staying the same. Right. We're not, we're not changing the thing. So here's, here's, let's talk about this as a pre-show. I am sick and tired of people whining about the NFL overtime rules. Nobody said anything about the NFL overtime rules from the time they changed it. And it's been a while. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden they see a game where, Hey, there's a quarterback in this league that can actually exploit this rule. One guy, there might be two in the whole league. That could do what that quarterback does, and you know what? I don't care. Leave the rules same. I heard this from, and you you didn't hear this from me, and I'm not complaining about it. I heard this from a ton of Bills fans, and I'm like, okay, think of this. Think of it this way: How did it change the outcome of that of that game? It didn't because if if they win the if if Kansas City wins the coin toss, they drive down the field, and they're inside the inside the twenty, like I think they were when they when Mm -hmm. they touched down to Kelsey. Butker kicks the field goal and Kansas City wins. How is there a difference? That that is mon- that is sort of Monday morning quarterbacking bullcrap, Joe. If, if people in Buffalo have no reason to complain about the overtime rules because that game should have never went to friggin' yeah, play defense for any moment yeah. and you won't be talking about it. Yeah, I mean Butker misses a field goal, misses an extra point. There's four points right there. Yeah, you know, like the Bills come back to make it interesting, but like Kansas City's not trying to fire back anyways. They're trying to slow the game down at that point, but. The, the the stuff about overtime just absolutely and like some of the explanations I've seen from from people that want to have a change they're like they're like well you know Mahomes storms downfield and like you know that's not fair to the other team's offense I go well yeah it's a team game tell your tell your defense to get a friggin stop to do yeah. you know hold them to a field goal do anything my favorite tweet my favorite tweet was 
change the NFL overtime rules, vote for it. And I'm like, where? Oh. This isn't like you're voting in an yeah. election. What are you yeah, like, about? But like, here's the thing that gets me. Everybody wanted to change from the first time around they did. Uh, because they said, you know, field goals are ending games and that's bogus. Yeah, I could see that. But like now that it's <laughs> like, but now that you're doing it this way where, you know, you have to get a touchdown. How many, how many games have we seen go to ties now? Like how many, like how many games during this season did it not matter who got the ball first because it, everybody wasn't able to either they either their offense didn't march down the field or the other team's defenses did their job or like they miss a kick or they do whatever like for crying out loud I don't know how much like if your solution is to change it to the college fans. football there's a lot OT of there's a man, lot of just like, people out there crying about it and I don't want to hear it. I mean, it's it's really loud because it's you know it's a lot of it's coming from Buffalo and people who wanted to see sure. Buffalo win, um, and even people finding what Andy Reid said a couple of years ago when they lost to uh, New England in overtime, and even Andy Reid said he says, well, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't be against the change, but like, why would he want to take away his advantage? Like, right. they win a coin toss, right? But I mean, you got Mahomes, you got you, you're probably going to have the best honestly, chance to win. Other than Mahomes, maybe Allen and maybe Brady. Who else could do what that what Mahomes did in 13 seconds? Nobody. Right. No. Yeah, probably. I mean, it helps to have helps to have a defense play uh, 30 yards off does. the receiver. They were they were, <laughs> oh they, were they were playing touchdown prevent defense, and it's yeah. like you're only up by three. You know, they let they left Kelsey completely uncovered. They had Levi mm. Wallace covering the sideline. I mean, it's it, I'll it's, tell you when I knew the Bills were in trouble defensively. When Mahomes saw the zone and saw there was a giant hole up the middle and just kept running, even he was surprised he could get 35 yards on that run. Joe, this is this is what drives me crazy. Um, the Bills have played Kansas City three times in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. The two games that they played sort of a don't rush Mahomes, play zone, you know, you know let him run around. Um, they lost that game in Buffalo where I think the one of the uh, Edwards Hilaire had like 190 yards or something mm-hmm. like that. And then they lose this game and the game that they had a pass pass rush and they put pressure on Mahomes was the one that they won. So I, I you know, I have a lot of problem with the bills and this will be the last bills mm-hmm. stuff we talk about until, you know, until so next that. year, never again. <laughs> about the bills. Right. But you know, I, I'm not. I'm not going to be upset if uh, if Leslie Frazier gets the Chicago Bears job because I think the Bills, for all the talk of them being this number one defense, they had a number one defense that allowed 42 points to Kansas City and they didn't, oh. didn't really stop them once. 20 something points in like what less than two minutes. Yeah. The thing. The thing that gets me though is that the Bills all season long got fat on. If they got a if they got a lead on somebody, they just whooped up on them and then just right. you know acted like yeah. they were kings of the world. They get in a tough game. Tough games were a lot harder for them to win. They went zero and six in in one score games. And yeah. Allen made some amazing throws. He did. Yeah. yeah, there was no there was no nothing to criticize about Allen. No. Um, they're they're all no, a perfect quarterback game on both sides. Like yeah, both, yeah. Both so I do want to falls. point this out too. There was a narrative where some Jets fans were like, "We'll see." The Jets should have taken Allen over Sam Darnold. That was the biggest mistake they've ever made. I'm like, no. When the Nobody Jets was drafted, ta- nobody's taking Allen that high. Like that. Listen, when the, when the Jets drafted Chad Pennington, there was a guy in the room that was talking about Tom Brady, and everybody overruled him, so they went with Chad Pennington. Like this is what happens in drafts. And the other thing is, I can't tell you for sure 
that Josh Allen would have turned into this quarterback with the Jets because the Bills already had a good team in, in place and good coaching in place. Mm-hmm. He would have been with Adam Gase. They had good coaching. Be where Josh Rosen is, probably. Yeah. yeah. They had good coaching in place. They didn't have a good team at, when they drafted. No, I guess their offensive the, line was decent. It was, it was okay. The thing about the uh, the Allen stuff that really kills me, though, is that everybody was like, he was such a sure thing coming out of college. I was like, he wasn't even the Mountain West quarterback, right. like quarterback of the year his last year. Like it, there, he was a project guy. Like he had the tools, like he's got the big arm. He's got, you know, right. all the stuff. But like nobody knew he could run. He didn't run. No, no, he, he, like, run. he started running his first year because he was running for his life. And like, wow, oh, he's good. His, I did talk about his running ability with Mike. So I. For some reason, and it wasn't me that found it looking at video like I do with hockey, somebody mm. must have talked about it because I knew about it, but it's not like I knew because I watched college football games. No. Yeah, it's, it's not I like know. he was like Michael Vick coming out of no. Virginia Tech or something like that where you're like, well, no. this guy can run. It's like, no, he's got a big arm, and he had a bunch of crap receivers at Wyoming. So, like, eh, I don't know, but still he threw tons of picks. He wasn't that great. Like, they, 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 they – what – the criticism of him, and then we'll start the show. The criticism of Allen before the before the draft was, you know, could he learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, could he could he you know be a student of the game, and could he throw with touch? He could throw eighty yards, but they didn't mm-hmm. know whether he could throw you know the short passes. Yeah. and he's been able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, they they lucked out that they got themselves a winner and they got themselves a quarterback for knock on wood mm-hmm. the next you know ten to twelve years. The question is, can they build a team around him? I you know, and and defensively, I think that. They're wanting in a number of areas. I said, Joe, when Tredavious White went down, they were not going to win, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Anyway, yeah. Enough Bills talk. Let's talk. <laughs> uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. I'm Russ Cohen, and hey, Buffalo will always have the Bandits championships. Oh, God. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com, and I don't have a pack of Marlboros rolled up in my T-shirt like all Bandits fans are. Uh, and we wel- and we wel- yes, and we welcome Joe Yurden to the show, who uh, hosts or co-hosts the Maintenance Day podcast with Lance Lasowski of the Buffalo News. Uh, Joe, welcome. It's nice to be here. I, uh, I've i never been to a Bandits game yet here, so it's uh, I think I'm overdue. Or, you know, maybe I, I don't buy the right cigarettes. I don't you know. have to buy a Tavares jersey and just walk in and go you know, go, go to the we'll sit right in a Leafs to Tavares shirt right yes that's, go that's to go to the go to the res Joe the the cigarettes are a lot cheaper um okay so let's let's start with the announcement today of Team Canada's roster for the world for not the World War Junior but for the Olympics in Beijing and uh Joe I was sort of sort of underwhelmed at the Mm-hmm. roster uh, for Canada. I mean, a couple recognizable names, like somebody we both saw last year playing skating at Key Bank Center in mm-hmm. uh, in Eric Stahl, and somebody that we both hope we'll see uh, at Key Bank Center later uh, this year in Owen Power. But a lot of recognizable sort of marginal third, fourth, former third and fourth line guys like Daniel Winnick and Jordan Wheel. I mean, what not not an impressive list no I, I mean i don't know what we were really expecting i don't you know right. i don't know who guys that weren't that aren't playing in north america I like, can you know, one. okay but let's, <laughs> let's wait a second let's wait a second um but i mean you know 
I mean, I mean, yeah, these are these are guys that are like, you know, the 13th and 14th forwards of the last, you know, five, six years, you know, in a lot of cases. And I mean, you know, there's there's a handful of young guys that are involved with this. But, you know, this is a team that's that's getting made up of, you know, some of the guys who have been some of the I mean, honestly, you know, a guy like Daniel Carr, he's been one of the best like tweener players of the last three or four years. I mean, he's been an outstanding AHL player and he gets to the NHL, pop you a few goals and. And that's about that. But, uh, you know, but like some of these names, like Brandon Gormley, like I haven't heard about Brandon Gormley in ages. I know. Like that name, I was like, wow, okay. Gore, like he we're was there. For like seven years ago. Yeah. I mean, he I mean, he was a first-round pick of the Coyotes, wasn't he? Uh, yes. Coyotes, yeah. So, but, but you know, to your point, like Daniel Winnick, I'm Daniel Winnick played for the Leafs like 10 years ago or okay. something. So, so I've waited long enough. I wrote an article yesterday <laughs> for full press coverage and I put 10 prospects to watch in the Olympics and I got tired of teams waiting to unveil their list, right? Mm-hmm. And I put for Kent Johnson, he's good enough to be on this team. I would imagine he'll make this team. He's not on this team. It's such a joke. You're taking Jordan Wheel, Landon Ferraro, Adam Tambellini. Are you kidding me? But what are those names? What do those names have in common, Joe? They have famous dads and famous guys with the Hockey Canada system. They mm-hmm. do. And they, you know, go ahead. David, David DeHarnay, Adam yeah. Cracknell, uh, yeah. Corbin Knight. A good defensive player who can win faceoffs. So I'm not going to kill Jack McBain for having a famous last, you know, famous dad. I'll leave I that mean, one alone. But Jordan Wheel over Kent Johnson? Are you kidding me? I mean, the, 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 the highlight players on this roster mm-hmm. – uh, Joe, our power on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Mason McTavish up front as a young, mm-hmm. you know, former third overall pick. Mm-hmm. You know, Stall might be done, but he was in the Stanley Cup final last year, and the talk is is that he, uh, you know, he's going to probably look for an NHL contract, a la Brian Gianta after mm-hmm. the Olympics. Um, the one that for Toronto fans, I just heard Elliot Friedman say the Leafs were going to sign Josh Hosang. Uh, late last month when uh, and early th- or early this month when Marner had his COVID issue, but they knew that he was in the mix for Team Canada, and if they'd signed him, he wouldn't have been in the mix. So mm-hmm. they, they held off on signing him. So that to that that to that it probably means they're going to sign him after the Olympics, cause, you know, because maybe they'll want him as a, as a depth option. But yeah, it's it's just not really an impressive group. But but and I have two other thoughts, like. So is Justin Pogge going to cook for everybody? Is that why he's on the taxi squad? That's what I'm imagining. And no, then- he's, he's going to tell everybody what it's, what it's like to be the guy who was selected, who was kept by the Leafs and not traded for Andrew Raycroft. Yeah. And then the other one, I, I do like the addition of Max Verano on the uh, practice squad because I felt like he got a raw deal in Ottawa. And I think mm-hmm. he just kind of got thrust out of the league too quick. I'd seen him play a lot in Princeton. He has really good speed. And I do think he could be like a third line type. I don't know if he still can be that. I thought that then he did score a few goals and then all of a sudden he was gone. So no. we'll see. Maybe this will be good for him if he can beat out Jordan Wheel, which maybe he can't. Now, now Joe, I, I find this interesting about Canada and the U.S. because from appearance, it looks like their goalies are going to be uh, Devin Levi, 
from, from Northeastern, the Sabres prospect that they got from Florida and the Sam Reinhardt deal, and in the U.S. would be Drew Camesso because the other options don't, you know, I, I can't see Eddie Pasquale. Pasquale. Yeah, or or who is the who is the older goalie for Team USA, Russ? The, uh, oh, uh, yeah, it's Pat. Um, Pat Nagel. Yeah, Pat Nagel plays for the Phantoms. He's had a really good year, but again, I'm sure he is the guy that's watching over the young goalies. Like, no, I, the I, I think the guy for the U.S. The, that should start is Strauss Mann. Strauss Mann. I think yeah, Strauss Mann he, is, he, he is should older, be the number one. And I do think he could win the number one job. But you know that they chose Camesso probably within the thought of he's the guy unless Mann beats him out. I think that's the way it's mm-hmm. kind of going. But I could see Mann beating him out. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, end- I, I don't know. I. I could see Man and Levi being the being the number ones for U.S. and Canada very easily. Well, Levi, I think, is the number one. I I, mm-hmm. I don't even think there's a question about that. I mean, there's a question for the U.S. Though. I mean, I, I think Levi Levi's made it a little bit sketchier. His two of his last three starts. But who else do they have? Tomkin and and yeah. Pasquale. Like who's being yeah. out? Where? What happened to Devin Dubnik? I thought he was a slam dunk. I too. Yeah, they. I got they they. This is typical Canada has overthought this. And so the contrast there is, you know, Levi and either Camesso or Mann for the U.S., whereas the Russians don't take Askarov. Just like they they started Askarov. And that's a great point. This got just as political as Russia did. Mm -hmm. It did. There's no oh, the, about it. the Russian team, the way it's picked, it's been picked the last few times around for especially international tournaments. It's always political. Well, Russia them. is, like, but now the Canadian one definitely is too. Well, and I mean, to to a certain degree, the U.S. team has been as well because they the U.S. has been very supportive of the USHL and the NCAA, sure. so they want to make sure that they've got a fair showing there. Then That's you fair. know, Canada does their you know does the whole thing where it's they want to support the CHL. The it's, only thing I like what the U.S. did better than Canada is guys that they have on that team now, the Nears, these guys are going to be on future Olympic teams anyhow, so they're mm-hmm. getting their feet wet. Canada is not doing any of that except for Owen Power. Yeah. And Levi. Yeah, that's, yeah, but I mean, I know we'll see how Levi's career goes. Right. I mean, I mean, who knows? It's goalies. You never know. You don't know. It's voodoo. But I'm just saying, you look at the U.S. team, and there's four or five guys that you say, hey, they have a chance, you know, Brock Faber has a chance to be an Olympian someday. Mm-hmm. No question in my mind. Canada's doing it backwards. They're yeah. trying to keep up with like the Czechs who are using anybody who has any kind of NHL experience. Although the Czechs are the only ones using 22 draft eligible players in Slikovsky and Nemec. And these guys are good. Now, mm-hmm. will they be up to this challenge? I don't know, but they could be. And, and that could be very interesting. Uh, I just need to know. I, I haven't seen the Czech roster, but is Yager on it? Because he no. needs to be. Damn it! Why? No, no Yager. He's fifty no. years old. He's been to every he Olympics ever made. Deal with it. He doesn't no, want to deal with it. No, Yager, no Yager, and no Thomas Caberle. But we get uh, Jakob Yurabek, Thomas Kundraciak. Uh, let's see. Kukanets? Roman Cervenka. Michael. I mean, Yurabek's not a bad player. David Krejci. Krejci's okay. Uh, Vladimir Sabotka. Oh, Sabres legend. Yes. Right. Yes. So, I, I'm I'm now rooting for the Czechs. <laughs> like, I was hoping Hasek would come out. We don't even yeah. have Finland's roster yet. We don't have Germany's roster yet. No, I, we, I've got Finland's in Germany. You got Finland, then we don't have Germany yet. Yeah, no, I got Germany too. The only one that hasn't released their roster is China because well, they're, China, still, yeah. they're still, still trying to get people out of the gulag to play. 
is uh is Uwe Krupp going to coach Germany or play for them, or is he going to do both? <laughs> for bonus, though, for for bonus points, who is the Slovak coach? No looking, Mike. Is it Lubos Barteschko? No. Damn. Well, it's not Martin Marinson. No. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's Ramsey. Yep, it's Craig Ramsey. It's Craig wow. Ramsey. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, that's right. Does he does he have some Slovakian? Uh, no. Yes. Well, that's like that's like Ted Nolan coaching Latvia, didn't he yes. coach him in the Olympics? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey. Ted Nolan was like the Latvians. Latvians who played for Ted Nolan in those international tournaments loved him. Yeah, absolutely loved well, him. Ted Nolan's Gergensen's loved him. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm much more excited to watch the women's tournament than the men. It's not and, even close. And that was the interesting thing, Russ. I I just just because uh, I wrote an article about like when the tournament was going to start. The men's draw does not start until February the 9th. The first six days of the Olympics, it's all the women. It's all the women. You know why? Because they get higher ratings. Yeah. They will get If it's not the NHLers, they will get higher ratings. And if it's a U.S.-Canada game again, it will break records. Russ, can you explain to me why Nora, Nora Ratu isn't on the Finn, I can't Finnish roster? We were, I was, I do um, the Lockdown, Lockdown Flyers broadcast with Rachel Donner, and mm-hmm. we were kind of going over some of the names, and she's really versed. Uh, in women's hockey where I'm just, you know, talking points and I've seen the players play and I've watched games and I've interviewed them, but I don't cover the leagues, you know, and it's, you know, you get it. And that was the one name I brought up to her. I'm like, why don't I see her name? Like she's a fantastic goalie. She's one of the best I've ever seen in women's competition. And so Mm -hmm. maybe she's just retired. No, uh, I mean, the, the rumor that I saw popped around was that she uh, has disagreements with the coach, so they just decided oh, not to take her, which I'm like, shoot yourself in the foot, guys. That's good. Yeah, that's your best goalie. Could be the best goalie in the tournament that you're not having there. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, like, when, it, when I think of the big the big game women's goalies, I mean, Zabadis and, and Radu are, like, one and yeah. two. I, I mean, mean, I like the, Maddie Rooney, and she may not even win the job on the U.S. Like, she's yeah. done a great job, but the U.S. has three good goalies. Mm-hmm. So it's like... The U.S. has three I good goalies it. on their roster. They have they have like three more sitting at home, just like not part of it. Like that, this I is mean. why I bet against Tara Sloan because the U.S. will beat Canada. That's and, what's going to happen mm, in the women's game. And all and all three uh, all three goalies are better than Eddie Pasquale. Um, okay, <laughs> I believe they are. Okay, so all right, let's start with some of the games last night. Um, and Ross, I want to get to your. Uh, your your question that you put out on Twitter this morning. Yeah. Um, are you going to the game that I was at because of the hire too, or are you going to wait on that one? Oh, we'll wait on that one. Okay. Okay. Um, the first one I want to talk about was uh, the Ducks and the Bruins because I watched a half of that game, and I didn't think that Tuka Rask played badly, but. And I didn't pick up on this because at times I was watching the game and listening to something else. Um, but apparently in in the third period of that game, they started chanting for Jeremy Swayman because mm. as as we know, Russ, from talking to Ty Anderson a number of times, Tuka Rask has never been able to get the love from the Bruins fans, even when he's been a great goaltender. I think as the fact that, you know, they chose him over Tim Thomas uh, years ago. And, you know, the guy brought him to a Stanley Cup final, and he still is not loved. And now a 21-year-old who's played, what, 15 games is 
now more popular than Tuka Rask coming back from hip surgery. I, well, I don't think there's, there's two things here. So the same thing, and, and Thomas Boyle, you know, said I was right about this, and I appreciate it. When the Islanders rushed back Varlamov and they didn't put him in the AHL and he didn't have any kind of tune-up games, he's not the same goalie this year. Now, I get the problems that was going to happen with cancellations with Tuka playing in Providence. So if you, the fans, are booing a guy that's literally coming in cold and you're not going to give him like a month to regain his form just because he had a great game his first game, then there is something wrong with you because to me, it's the like, I don't even get it. Oh, this is awesome. That Vep, the Vepsis is the man. But continue. Sorry. Wow. Um, but it's just, it, it's, it's deplorable. Yeah. It's like, I can't, you know, again, I didn't this happen with um, either Peters or Jar or, or, or Chris or um, Jim Carrey when they were there, Were weren't they the backup or something? It happened, it, it happened with Raycroft, which is the reason why they traded yeah, him. He won, with Raycroft for he, sure. won, he won rookie of the year and then he slumped in his second year and they, they got on his case and then yeah. they traded him and they traded him for Rask and the rest is history. But I mean, I'll just ask Bruins fans. Do you want to call up Tim Thomas and get him in net? Is this this is the only reason you are booing to Garask is because Tim Thomas won the job over him one year and won the cup. And Rask has been an amazing goalie his entire career, but because of Tim Thomas's like three great years, all of a sudden Tuka Rask can never live up to to Tim Thomas or really anybody anymore. And and, and it's crazy. And Joe, I think the only the the main reason that they got to Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final against St. Louis a few years ago was because Rask was fantastic mm-hmm. in the regular season and the playoffs. So, you know, Boston's not a perfect team. I, you know, they've made a nice run lately, but they're again wholly dependent on that one line. They're not getting a lot from Taylor Hall and DeBrusque. You know, there's a lot of talk about that about them making deals before the deadline. You know, the, I don't know. I mean, they've they've forced Rask in there um, coming off the injury, and I don't think it's fair to really criticize him right now. No, I, I mean, he got like a very brief stint with Providence to play like what, one, two games maybe? They, I don't and, know about they got canceled. Yeah, he got it none. That was, that, was, that was the window, and they got canceled right. because of COVID, so they That's just signed right. him and put him right in. Yeah, so I – you're talking about a guy who's been off, who's not played in over a year. Like, I don't know what your expectations are. I know, I know the goaltending has been a little bit iffy with both Swayman and Olmark, you know, Linus with his usual, you know, slow start to the season. Swayman wasn't that great to start the season. I mean, do we remember Tim Thomas with what Atlanta was, was he with Atlanta at the very last um, go back? No, 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 no. At the end he was with Florida. Dallas, Dallas, Florida. Sorry. Do you remember what he looked like after a layoff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dallas yeah. and Florida. So, yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, Dallas. Dallas and Florida. That's right. Yeah. And, so, and he was not good. Now, uh, on, the other side, on the other side of that game, you know, the Ducks get five goals. Um, you know, Troy Terry continues to be red hot. And there's a lot of talk about them being in the mix for Jacob Chikrin. Joe, I mean, there's a lot of talk about a Chikrin trade, Um, L.A., Anaheim, St. Louis, Columbus, the Rangers, Florida. I mean, a lot lot of teams are in on him. But the interesting thing, and we heard this from Elliot and we heard this from Kevin Allen has talked about this, 
um, that the price that Bill Armstrong is asking for is astronomical. Um, apparently, he asked Florida for both Lundell and Spencer Knight in the deal. Um, he apparently asked for Mason McTavish from Anaheim. I mean, I think he's going to get a good return from, but I don't know whether he can get that kind of return. Well, I, the, I, we saw this with the uh, with the Eichel trade rumors. Like, you start high. You start asking for you ask for the moon uh, when you start, especially if it, if it's stuff that gets out for us to discuss it. <laughs> right. um, you always shoot high. Like, you have to shoot high. Like, that's that's always the way it goes. In this case, I mean, if I'm Arizona, the same way, like this, this kid's young, he's, he's cost controlled for the next, what, three, four years. Um, and he's relatively inexpensive considering, and you're going to, you just want to move him because you're, 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 I don't know what's preventing them from doing a rebuild at this point, but like you want to just strip it all down, I guess. Then what? What this tells? What I don't this, know. What this tells me, Joe, is either they haven't they have an indication that he's not going to resign there in three years, or they don't plan to be good for the next three years, and it's just wasting, wasting. And if that's the case, that that organization is a is just a piece of crap. I mean, and yeah. I, I thought that for a while they should move that team. It should be you know it doesn't draw. But if they're going to operate it this way. Where they're going to strip it down to the boards. I mean, what's the point? What's the point of having a franchise where you to do that? And their their salary setup. I mean, if I mean, if I were, it's very Buffalo like. Look, yeah. Well, it's. I mean, it, it is. But like you know, Buffalo's doing that on purpose for different yeah. reasons. Arizona, in this case, they only have three real long term contracts: Chikrin, Keller, and who's the other one? Uh, Nick uh, Schmaltz. Schmaltz. Yeah. So yeah. like. Those are the only long-term commitments they've got. Like, there's only there's what Andrew Ladd has a contract for next year. Yeah, Gostas Bear does. Yeah, and you know whoever with of the kids. Lost, like Lawson Kraus, I think has another year. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, no, uh, Kraus's RFA. Oh, it's RFA. Sure. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So I mean, that's not a lot of long-term commitment, which to me says it would be really easy to sell that team to somebody who wanted to buy them and considering all the arena problems and their entire history of nonsense, I really have to wonder if that's the case, especially, I mean, like Chickers, what, 23. Yeah. He's 20. I mean, for yeah, no, he's, he's a really good defense. I mean, the, the, the theory is, is that the reason that they're trying to trade him now is they want to trade him before he gets hurt again. Cause he's had injury problems I mean, throughout his career. And I, th I think that's, that's weak, but like, the if that's the reason, then you can't ask for guys. You can't ask right. for Knight and Lundell. In a exactly. like, it, if that's your reasoning for moving a guy, you're not getting you're like you're shooting the moon, but you're never getting the moon. You're not even going to get a moon rock. Now, no. Russ, the interesting thing about the Coyotes, and they're going to be Bill Armstrong is going to be challenged with this, is that okay? They have all these unrestricted free agents, and say they try to trade half of them. They have to stay over the cap floor. So in mm -hmm. some of these deals, they're going to have to take salary back mm -hmm. to stay over the cap floor. So they might be willing to like make a trade with Toronto and take Nick Ritchie because he's under contract for next you year. Hope. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm not just I'm just saying that yeah. right, but other teams are going to be doing that yeah, as well. I mean, maybe. I mean, again, right now Bill Armstrong's a lot of talk. And this team, honestly, this franchise doesn't need thousands of draft picks. By doing that, they're just going to guarantee that they will be the worst team in the league for the next five years if they keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And you have to have some sort of core somewhere, even if you're fully rebuilding, 
you know, the Rangers saw that and then they were managed and again. I, I said this, they, they were able to skirt the system because Adam Fox wanted to play for him and Panarin wanted to play for him. If every team was able to get a Norris trophy guy and a guy who could lead the league in scoring, if he has his best year, then yes, you wouldn't have to have a full rebuild either. And that's why just saying it and saying they own the draft and everything else doesn't mean anything to me because their player development has stunk. And, you know, other than guys like Soderstrom, guys who are guaranteed can't miss guys that are going to advance themselves eventually at the NHL level, they've had trouble developing players and they've had players get stuck in the mud too. Yeah. I mean, I heard earlier in the year that they got offers for Barrett Hayton but it, they were they were like third or fourth round picks because well, that's all Barrett Hayden's worth right now, right? Mm-hmm. And it's you know almost not worth it. They may as well keep him and see if he, he does something other than you know trading him for nothing and then have him be successful someplace else. So, um, Christian Fisher, how much has he stalled in his development? Yeah, no, I, I mean, mean they, they moved they moved Dvorak. Dvorak had just finally broken out, and then they were just like, all right, bye, see ya. Yeah, and and. Okay. And Dvorak is not doing well in Montreal. No, he, Nobody's again, doing well in Montreal. Again, he's not a number two center. If they used him as a number three center, he'd be fine. He is yeah. never going to be a number two center. And again, they were like, but we're going to make him one, like they said with Duran, and it didn't work. Now, the other game that I watched a lot of early on was the Rangers and the Kings, and that was an exciting third period OT and shootout. Right. Yep. with uh, Jonathan Quick uh, dueling against Igor Shashurkin. And, I, Ross, I, I was sort of giving you the play-by-play while you were at the Flyers game. And yeah. it was it was curious that Byfield had this great move and goal in the shootout, and then Lafreniere comes down and does the same thing on, on Quick. But in the end, Adam Fox with the, with the uh, roof game winner in the shootout to give the Rangers a 3-2 victory. And, Ross, he tweeted out this morning about Adam Fox and – his pursuit of a second straight Norris. And, you know, I saw, I haven't seen the percentages when I put my vote in, it was 65 35 for Kale McCarr. I know. I know. By the way, does anybody think that that was a bad goal for Shesterkin to give up on Blake Lazat? That, that shot seemed to be like way past Blake Lazat's range. I don't know what happened on that goal, but at any rate, that, that one shocked me a little, but as far as Fox goes, we know what the and Mick Kern did a good job. He read what the Norris Trophy is supposed to be, and it does allegedly include defense. But we've known that in like the last ten years, it doesn't count. Defense almost doesn't count in it. But mm-hmm. my my take on this for this year is this. And look, anybody else you want to bring up, they're all leading the teams in scoring. You want to bring up Roman Yossi, he is too. But would anybody think Adam Fox would be leading his team in scoring even more points than Panarin? Like that's, you have to start considering that, that this is like a special year. I get Kale McCarr is flashier. I get he's got the most goals. I get all of that, but Adam Fox is clearly the better defender. He hits, he blocks, he wins shootouts. I mean, that's, you know, most defensemen don't do that, but he's not flashy. He doesn't look superhuman out there, but what he does look like is like a surgeon out there and just make you look bad to, you know, he could games that they come back from behind. A lot of times it's because Adam Fox has made some really smart plays on the ice on his last few shifts to get him back in it. My basic point is 
we have to start looking at the Norris. There's never going to be that trophy that just celebrates defense. It's not going to happen. The league doesn't care. Nobody cares enough. So at the end of the day, we kind of have to redefine the, Mor- the Norris here. But again, I expected the vote to go that way, Mike, where everybody said Kale McCarr because he – and it's not like Adam Fox isn't fun to watch, but Kale McCarr is more fun to watch, and I do feel like he is going to get this vote for two reasons. I think he's going to get the vote because he's going to have the goal record, and that's great, but he still may not beat Adam Fox in points. And I think the second thing will be some will say, should Adam Fox really win consecutive Norrises at his age? Right. And that, unfortunately, is going to be a factor, too. Joe, goals are sexy. And if mm-hmm. if Makar scores 40, there's no way that they're going to give Fox a second straight Norris, even though no. it's supposed to be a defensive award, not purely defense, not Rod Langway. He's like the last defensive no. defenseman that won the, that won the Norris, in my, at least in my memory, uh, purely defensive defenseman. But – I mean, Fox is playing great. He should be in the mix. I think he should have a good chance to win it. But if Makar scores, if he gets to Doug Wilson territory, he scores 39 goals, he's winning it. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. Like that, at, when you do stuff that goes into the all-time category, you're almost assured of, of, getting, of getting the award. I mean, that... I mean, I have to almost stretch into other sports where that didn't happen. Like, I, you know, Miguel Cabrera's triple triple crown season, he didn't win MVP. Like that was a trout. But like, you know, that's I mean, that's that's a whole different kind of thing. But when you're talking a defenseman, like defense and points, like it goes hand in hand. You know, you put up a lot of points and you play good enough defense. So who do you think is a better defenseman? Better defenseman. Um, It's the whole position. It's like you're a defenseman. That's what he is. Yeah. Uh, asking me that without doing my proper research is bad. Right, but off, I mean, off the top right. of my off the top of my head, I gotta say Fox. But okay, but come um, back to me. You can look oh, up anything you want. Okay. Of the of the, of the three, I would say Yossi is probably the best defensively because he's the most experienced, yeah. and he's been that way for a number of years. But if and that may be true. Yeah, if you're asking heads up, Makar versus Fox, I would all say around. Fox. This is an all around award. Well, no, I was just saying defensively. I think Fox is 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 better. Um, and Makar is maybe slightly better offensively, but it's an all-around award, and that's the whole point. So right. that is the point of this. Now, but I mean, is there a value in having a a like a Rod Langway type award, like a Selkie? Yeah, version yeah, of the award for there's definitely a value, but it just uh, the writers haven't fought enough for it. The league doesn't seem to care because it's been brought up before. So it's just like, and I'm not, I don't know if the fans care. If you have, if you have, okay, you have two awards for goaltenders. You have the Jennings and you have the Vesna. If you have a two awards or even more awards for forwards and a defensive forward award, then there should be a defensive defenseman award. Yeah, and Thomas is right. If there was that, Adam Pellick would win that award this year. No yeah. question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, now the game that you were at, Russ, uh, the Flyers and the game. Oh, yeah, I guess I was. Yes. Flyers and the Dallas Stars. Uh, It was marked by Keith Yandel tying Doug Jarvis's uh, record for consecutive games, which I know is we talked a little bit about it yesterday. And um, it doesn't seem that that that's going to stop anytime soon like he'll break the record and then all of a sudden he'll, you know he'll well, he's gonna play tonight if that's what you're getting at of course he's gonna break the record right right, the right. Idea is, is it will the next game will he play and 
if the Flyers are honest with themselves, he won't because he shouldn't have been playing probably for the last three weeks. They're a young defenseman they could bring up. It's not like Yandel's adding anything to the power play. The power play is horrible. It's not like he's turning the puck over any five every five seconds. He is just like a below-average defenseman right now. And at this point, he hurts you because at the end of games, he's not exactly fast either. And if you have him out on the ice, he's not great to have out on the ice. I mean, some of the things that were done last year with Joel Quenville were true about him. And, you know, Quenville sort of got demonized for it. But he was right in what he did. But the idea is everybody's afraid to break, you know, to not let him break the record. So now he's going to be allowed to break the record. And you know what? If you polled fans, most fans would have polled him uh, two, three weeks ago. They would well, have. the question is that Kessel's only 23 games behind him. So. He's going to catch him at some point anyhow. Oh, right. But the thing is, Russ, is that this season is over with for the Flyers already, so they may as well keep Oh, it. hold on, Mike. Oh, I know, oh, I know. Hold that. on. <laughs> I'm transitioning to a question okay. here for Joe because, Joe, my opinion is when it comes to the Flyers, as with the New York Islanders, it's over. But they can't they can't adopt that philosophy, obviously, with half a season left to go. But it's a train wreck in Philadelphia right now. They've lost 12 games in a row. They have an interim coach who I apparently – now, Chuck Fletcher was supposed to meet the – I thought it was today, but apparently it's tomorrow. Um, and – the, the speculation is is that he's going to say Yo is going to be the coach for the rest of the season. They've added John, John Torchetti as an assistant coach. But now everything switches from them pursuing the playoffs to whether they're going to trade Giroux, whether they're going to trade Ristolainen. I mean, if I were them, I would because I think you need to recoup assets and maybe do a slight reset. But the mentality of the Flyers organization is not to – take one step back. And I think that's a mentality that could exacerbate the situation to have them struggle for years longer. They need to, to do something to change the norm right now. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of crap or get off the pot with the flyers right, right. now. It's you, you can't be half in half out on um, whether you're going to, you know, start it over or try to build on the fly. I think building on the fly with this group is a little tricky because you've, there are some pretty glaring issues they've got to get addressed with some guys you know to like you the, fix up their game the oh yeah that, that's what i mean it's too many yeah. fires to put out at once yeah um but i mean you know if moving Giroux is going to help you get some of that draft capital back okay that's good maybe get your player okay that's good that you know hey whatever helps to build for next year like that's that's a positive risk line and yeah, whatever like i don't want to talk about risk please don't because otherwise i'm just be, done with it i figured since he, he got traded out of buffalo i'd never have to talk about him again but you know it, it just sticks with you but although um, you tweeted happily about him the other night during the game so you did oh listen listen that that was the one game this year where i was going to give a crap i'm not going to <laughs> obsess on him all year and point out his foibles all year i've done that for eight years already like that's <laughs> that's fine like i've i've done my time other people can do it um but i mean like yeah i, I think i i said this with uh kelly hinkle on the uh on the uh one of the flyers pods the game day pod where i said they've got a left-handed wrist line and Provorov. so you know you gotta you know and he's their actual guy Right. Get him figured out. Get you know. Get him straight because he he does have a ton of talent. He is he can be very good. But you know if he keeps going down the Risto road, then that's that's not where you want to be. But you know if I'm you know if I'm Sean Couturier, I'm just kind of like man, I signed up long term for this. Okay, guys, thanks a lot. 
Same for, you know, JVR too. Like, same deal. Well, listen, there's no, nobody should feel bad for JVR. Anyhow, oh, he's, he's got plenty of money. I know. He's barely alive in some of these games. But here's the thing about the John Torchetti. And whether it was the 5th or the 6th of December, because, you know, you search the internet and you see that, hey, Mike Yo was hired as the interim on December 6th. Mike could tell you for many weeks, I was banging the drum that they needed to hire an assistant and they yeah. just didn't do it. They used Nick Schultz. They used Ian LaPerrier. They used anybody they had in-house. And then it seemingly seemed like they gave up on it. Now, all of a sudden, today, they hire an assistant when they're out like 20-something points. It's like 40 games left. Like, what What happened to like two or three weeks ago? If this were like a corporate situation, you would get fired, Joe, if your boss said, Mm -hmm. hey, you need to hire an assistant and you need to do it now. And you come back two weeks later and say, yeah, I don't have anybody yet. Yeah, I, I to me this it screams of trying to give Mike Yo any kind of help because I mean if they're gonna if they're gonna hang on to him for the rest of the I mean, never mind the embarrassment of what it would be to to a fire your coach and then fire the interim coach afterwards like that's that's right. a whole new level of like what the hell is going on, right? Uh, but I think with bringing in a guy like Torchetti, you're trying to class things up a little bit. I mean, he's a, he's a very well respected dude and. Um, he's, he's one of the few guys that comes away from the whole Blackhawks, Kyle beach thing, looking like he, he tried to do the right thing. So, I mean, he doesn't have that, uh, he doesn't have that mess hanging around his neck, but, um, but this is, this is a hockey mess in Philly. Like this is, you know, to further exacerbate the hockey mess. So Nick Sealer played left wing last night. Nick Sealer is an ex Minnesota guy. Uh, you still have former Minnesota players. Jerry Mayhew playing in the lineup every day. Mm-hmm. He gets one shot on net a game. You've got Yo there who's from Minnesota. You know, the whole front office is from Minnesota. And it's like, when is that going to stop? But, I, you yeah. know, and it's not, a, this is not against Torchetti. He is a good coach. But the point is, when you have too much of this too, it's never good. Too much mm-hmm. Flyers is no good. Too much from another team is no good. This is a situation where you needed to have a lot of eyes come in from the outside for this. And none of, you know, none of this has gone well. We talked about it. Here's an example, Joe. So when they decided Nick Sealer was going to be the left wing and maybe played a couple of games in college at left wing. And of course, mm-hmm. left wing is not defense. And Sam Moran failed at it. And Dennis Seidenberg failed at it. And they tried that before. Um, and the fact that Nick Sealer is really not an NHL skater to think now that this is going to help him as a forward, I don't get it. But they had two players, Lena Sandine and Connor Bonneman, who they called up but said they couldn't play because they just played back-to-back games. Well, like, there's a phone, Lehigh Valley, that you could text. Like, you could have said, hey, hold these guys out. We're going to play one of them or hold one of them out because they're going to play. They didn't do or that. Or bring us they other didn't... guys. Like, give me, like – we're going to take two other guys instead. Yeah. I know there's government group stuff. There's other people. Anybody else who has ever played the position would have been better than Nick Sealer. And they still went with Nick Sealer. And I think that's where Mike makes a great point. The hubris that is built up right now around doing these kinds of things is incredible. And that's why they've set a franchise record for futility, tying it with 12 losses. And honestly, they're the only NHL team that has not won in 2022 they're the only NHL team that does not have a shootout goal, Joe. Wow. Not, a not, e- not even to play for the shootouts or not, not even get a shootout, I guess. Not even get a goal, but they never um, even have a goal. Like 
I, I like your point about bringing in all these Minnesota guys because how was how how good was Minnesota when not very when good? Fletcher That's why they're not there. there. And like, how good is Minnesota now that he's not there? And Dean Evison's coaching the team. They look pretty good. I, yeah, playing Nick Sealer at left wing. Like, like I, I'm never a big fan of playing your defenseman up up front. Like I, yeah, it, it's it's a different thing. They don't like doing it. First off, like no. some guys are okay to do it in a pinch. Like you yes. know, I can remember Brandon Montour having to do it in a game in Florida, and he yeah. was just kind of like, yeah, hey, new experience, cool. Joe Mark, Mark Pizik is great at it. He did that again. Yeah, in Florida. but I mean, like. But I mean, like, you know, sometimes coaches see a guy do well at it and they're like, yeah, let's keep doing that. And then it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I was brought here for. You know, at least at least guys like Pesic and Montour are just so easygoing that you can just like they'll just do it because that's, you know, they're just all right, whatever, I'm playing. So it's but this fine. Was avoidable. But yeah. No, that's that's what I mean. Like, that's negligent on on Fletcher's part because you have guys that can fill that spot. Call one of them up. Call any like you and but the you fact know. that you had two guys up that you couldn't play because they'd already played the night before is nuts. Like, why but call here's, them? Up? Here's a self-preservation act by Chuck Fletcher here because he brings in a coach the day before he has a scheduled press conference for the last two days. He didn't bring one in for the last three, four weeks mm-hmm. or since December 6th, but he just brought one in. Why? Because he's going to sit next to him at the press conference mm-hmm. and help deflect. Yep, that's I mean that's PR one hundred and one. That's like yeah. that's that's PR introductory class. That's not even one hundred and one. That's not even college. That's PR. No, high it's school. an intro class, right? Like that's you know just bringing the new de- you know new, the new shiny thing to dangle in front of everybody to ask them. Now we had a couple blowouts last night. Uh, Calgary laid a opened up a can of whoop ass on the St. Louis Blues seven one. Yeah, the Blues um, are about uh, do a stinker, you know. Um, and Matthew Kachuk had a monster game for, for Calgary. I first thing I thought Russ was when it, it was against St. Louis is he showing up, he sh- he's uh, showing off for his future team, which was a, <laughs> a rumor. Uh, Minnesota did the same to the Montreal Canadiens, an 8 2 uh decision. I mean, can we talk about this for a minute? So, yeah. Minnesota's 14 3 and 2 at home. Uh, I didn't just pick them on a on a, on a wing or in a prayer preseason to come out of the West because I thought it would be different. I liked what Garen was doing. Another year of Kaprizov and, and Zuccarello was good. I thought that was good. They still have a solid defense. They never got rid of Dumba, so their defense is still really, really good. And Kakanen is a good backup goalie in case Tam Talbot was going to falter. And so I looked at them and I said, you know, they're also, you know, they've got Eric Sinek. They've got a little bit of, you know, Ryan Hartman finally getting used right, getting power play time. He's got a ton of goals, got like 16 goals, something in that range. They're getting a lot of things, these things right. Matt Boldy is now playing with them, who probably can still help them. They had rookies, you know, Rossi, whether he's going to be a factor or not. They had veterans. They had a lot of things that were going for them. And, you know, they seemingly were ignored. But, you know, this is just one of those things where, It's all worked as far as bringing in a new GM, changing the culture, all of it's worked. And I did bring up something on Sirius that I believe in, and and I brought up them, Colorado, and Florida for home dominance. Now, I get it. There's always going to be road teams that win in playoff matches. I get it. But when you're dominant to this point, like Colorado's, Florida's got three losses, Colorado's got two, Minnesota's got three, that does translate into the playoffs because – 
you do get a mentality like, hey, nobody's doing it in my house. And I, I gave this story. Michael liked this story. I used to have a basketball court in my yard, and I had a dog that would dig some holes. And I noticed my dog did dig a hole by the basket one day, and I didn't say anything. But in my court, I could shoot 80% from anywhere, right? I went anywhere else, and I'm shooting 35% from the field. I just knew where every nook and cranny was. A good friend of mine backed into that hole and and hurt his ankle. And I just looked at him. I'm like, yeah, there's a hole there, man. And I, I probably knew there was a hole there, but that's my home court advantage. That's what happens with all these teams when they get that way about like their home ice advantage. And I'm still friends with that guy. So there you go. Russ's home home court advantage is booby traps. That's yeah. uh, impressive. <laughs> it's potholes. <laughs> um, now, Colorado started off the year slowly, uh, or uh, let's say they didn't meet expectations coming out of the gate. Uh, that's over with now. They're 17-1-1 one one in their last 19 games. Nazem Kadri is in the top five in scoring. Um, they're actually getting decent goaltending out of Pavel Francouz right now, but I still think that – uh, goaltending is going to be an issue for them down the stretch, Joe. But right now, everything is coming up roses for the Colorado Avalanche, and you know they could be a major player for some additions at the deadline. I mean, I'm impressed. Are are you? Yeah, I mean, this was a team that I that I took their playoff loss last year to be kind of like that last straw, where you know they they should have made it further the last two years then they get upset early last year and you're like wait a minute because now all the questions started up you know is nathan you know can nathan mckinnon do it as a leader can this team get it done period and it's just kind of like i don't know like it's up to them to figure it out you know they've got to do it um and you know what i i'll tell you what when they signed darcy kemper over over the summer i was like i don't know is this the right is this the right guy? Like, I, I mean, he's good, but like, you know, he's like in and out with injuries and stuff like that. Well, he he hasn't been in a game. He hasn't started a game they've lost uh, since the end of November. So, you know, I mean, I know there's injury time, you know, tossed in yeah. there, but like he, you know, the abs are undefeated in his start. Well, they've lost one game at OT uh, the entirety of January with with Kemper. And Fred Kemper is playing really well now. Yeah. That he's back too. He just and like, shut out. But that's the thing. Like to me, goaltending was that was the big question for them. Just you know, just because you know you've got an elite team all around it, but except the net. But I mean, if these guys play like that, they don't have that worry anymore. They don't have to stress any of that. Like it's it's very impressive what they've been able to do. Now you know I'm having a little tete a tete here, uh, friendly with uh, somebody in the chat about you know Nazem Kadri and like was it hard for me to say that Nazem Kadri is in the top five in scoring? No, no, because he is. But um, I I am sure that Colorado is well aware after last year and after the two years in Toronto when he did what he did in the playoffs that you know they'll. Believe me, they'll take the advantages of Nazem Kadri being a really good offensive player and playing with an edge. I, Joe, I cannot be convinced that Nazem Kadri will do the same thing again in the playoffs uh, because he's, you know, you time he would learn his lesson. Then he did it a second time. Then he got traded to Colorado. And then he did it a third time. It's like Marchand and uh, and low bridging and licking and all the other stuff. They can't stop themselves from killing their own team. 
I I don't know. I I think Barshan's figured out to find he's found the line to toe. Yes. No, yeah. he's he's stopped doing the clipping and some of the real. I mean, the, the visor licking that's just weird. Like that. That's 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 yeah. like that's like Steve Ott blowing kisses to you at the at the face off dot. Like that's <laughs> that has no effect on you unless you let it affect you. Like that's that's the whole right. thing. Like the guy's gonna be a weirdo. Okay, be weird, man. Just don't hurt me while you're being weird. Like that's that's how it works. But I mean, you know, Cadre's. I mean, listen, Cadre's two exits have been very bad plays like those are those are egregious moments where it's just like what are you thinking like that that's not playing on the edge that's losing your head completely for a moment and you're gone for multiple games yeah i think this is a little different this time around and it's always cliche to be like well it's a contract year it's contract year okay like you know you're not going to you're not going to short you know you're not going to short your own fuse in a contract year because like the big question now for him, now that he's, you know, he's, he's scoring at an elite level. He's, you know, he's having incredible success with his team. It's like, okay, well, what can you do in the playoffs? Because the last couple of times we've seen you in there, you've cost your team by not being in the lineup. So that's, that to me is where that lies. And you know what? That's, that's really where the, his future contract decisions are going to come down to it. I mean, if Colorado signs him before the season's up, then I, I, Hey, cool. But, um, but I mean, that's that's a huge question. I'm sure the, the Avs want to see what that's about too. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, Russ, I, 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 like, I can't see them signing him based on the fact that they still have to sign McKinnon. Um, you know, they've got Makara locked up, they've got mm-hmm. Rand and Landeskog locked up, but McKinnon's the next big payday, and everybody's expecting him to, you know, after being paid six million, six, uh, six point something million, that he's going to be in the you know, nine, five to 10 to maybe 11 million territory, which is what he deserves because he's one of the best players in the league. They can't do that and sign Kadri too. No, he'll take less. He'll, he'll probably take like eight and a half. He'll do something like that. McKinnon, you mean? Yep. Well, I mean, we'll do that. Crosby, Crosby did it in, in Pittsburgh and Landis God did it with Colorado. So it's possible, but I, you know, I, I look at Kadri, Joe, and I look at the possibility, and this would be the ultimate irony. I look at the possibility of Bergeron retiring in Boston and Boston needing a number one center badly and Kadri sort of fitting. Because, you know, he's he is a Bruin-type player in terms of being sandpapery, but that's the building that he lost his head and and nailed Jake DeBrusque into the boards. And, uh, you know, so I, I don't know, maybe that that will prevent them from doing it, but he's going to have suitors. I just, Toronto won't be one of them. And right. I don't think Colorado will be one of them. Yeah. I it's, it's interesting. Like you, at this point, there's no secrets to, to Kadri's game. Like, you no. know what you're getting with him. Like you're, you're going to get a guy who plays really hard, gets under the skin of everybody else on the ice. Yeah. Uh, which, hey, some teams need that element. Some teams need to have a guy that that can kind of be that lightning rod to take attention away from some of the other guys. You know, like, you know, in Colorado, I mean, it keeps people from really going to pester, you know, McKinnon or Rantanen, you know, like, like those guys. I mean, people come after McKinnon just because he's a captain, but uh, or sorry, he's not the captain. Landeskog is, but um you know, nobody wants to take a run at Landeskog. You know, no. you know, people don't want to hit stars per se. Like they, they don't want to do that. But Kadri, Kadri welcomes that stuff. That and that, that to me for a team that needs that that kind of guy on there and who can also put up a ton of points. There's a lot of value there. 
I yeah. now, you know, obviously the playoff stuff is going to be is going to be a factor in in people's minds on that. But if you listen, finding a center who can get you a ton of points and and be very productive for you is hard. And if one is just there in free agency, there's going to be a there's going to be a line out the door for him. I'm convinced of that. It, if there isn't, there's something really wrong with a lot of GMs. Yeah, I'm, I mean, Russ, I think there'll be multiple teams that'll be interested. I just don't know like where the line is on Kadri in terms of salary. Like, I mean, he probably is going to be an eight, eight and a half million dollar uh, signing, but he is 31 years old. So yeah, there's there's a few of those factors. I don't know. Will, will teams go over eight? I'm not sure. They'll give him term, but I don't know if they're going to go over eight. See, I don't think they'll give him term because of his age, but I think they'll give him the money. No, they're just going to give term to spread it out. Like they just, they know he's not going to play a couple of those years. Just to save money on the first three or four years, they might give him term. And so I just think it's a situation like that. Sounds sounded like somebody was drag racing out some <laughs> versus, versus. You know. I turn the gain down on this microphone and then I don't say anything for five seconds and somebody roars down the street and they're like, yeah, let's get that on there. Like, we want to hear the core, the car roar by. I didn't know they, they drag race on Elmwood Avenue. Hey, listen, you know, it gets, it gets weird the further West you get over here and uh, I'm right on the borderline oh, yeah, on the side. So drag racing Buffalo. time. Yeah. <laughs> the drag racing with snow plows, Russ, come on. That's, uh, yeah. That's all true. right. Good show, guys. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Joe Yurk. Oh, wait, I have an update. Oh, Chris Car- Chris Kreider scored yesterday. It's for Bill C. Go ahead. Now <laughs> I'm glad we snuck that in. <laughs> for Joe Yurk and for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Ogello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.